theory or practice, it's a constant battle when you're teaching. I'm Dr. Joy Patterson, the Director of Educator Preparation at Governor State University and the College of Education. And I'm Dr. Amy Viaquia, Governor State University Assistant Professor of English Teacher Education. In teaching and learning theory versus practice, Dr. Joy and I will duke it out over whether theory or practice wins the match. Yeah, I can't wait. So whether you're a teacher, an education leader, or looking to learn more about the field, you can hear from industry experts on education topics. We invite you to be the judge as we box it out. Stick around to find out who wins this week's match. Good morning, Dr. Amy. Good morning, Dr. Joy. So how are you this morning? I am wonderful. The sun is bright. I'm feeling great. I am wonderful. And I am so excited about our next topic. This is a very important topic, a social just topic, and probably one that people don't know much about. We're going to talk about aged out foster youth. And whenever you first mentioned it to me, I'll have to admit, I knew very little information. I didn't know that there was such a thing as a mentorship program for aged out youth. What happens when right. children in foster care reach 18? Yes, and there's 23,000 foster youth right now that are aged out. That's unbelievable. So, but we have an expert to help us understand more about aged out youth. We're going to talk to Mr. Nicholas Neal, and he's going to inform us and our listeners about aged out youth, what we need to know and how we can support. Nicholas Neal is the Director of Program Development at Geminis Regional Health System. So he's a successful management executive with a proven track record of provoking change and providing effective thought leadership within an organization, exceptional ability to manage day-to-day -day operations, to balance budgets, lead and coach employees on exceeding business objectives, and executing solid business plans designed to enhance existing product and service offerings. His specialties include but are not limited to launching multiple public safety and social service programs for state and local government agencies, building teams of highly qualified case managers and public service advocates. He has effective collaboration experience and a proven ability to integrate multiple business units within an organization to achieve a common goal. I'm looking forward to speaking to Nicholas Neal today about his experience and what our community can do to help aged out youth. Good morning. Mr. Nicholas Neal, how are you? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? Good. It looks like you're multitasking. Thank you for giving us some time this morning. Uh, anytime, anytime. We are so interested in this topic and we know that many people don't know much about aged out foster youth. So just starting right off, 
Can you tell us what constitutes really an aged out foster youth? How many are there? You know, I know there's like 23,000 in the U.S., but how many are there in your area? And give us kind of an idea of how significant this challenge is. So currently, one of the programs that we have through the Department of Child Services is the older youth services. And we get and deal with all of the children or older youth who are in foster care. They can age out at the age of 23. Governor Holcomb passed a bill about two years ago, which extended it from 21 to 23, which means that they can still receive some form of state benefits um, until that time. Uh, we currently have a census of about 191 youth in our care. Of those, the ones who are close to aging out are about 52. And so those 52 youth are getting ready to establish themselves as young adults. Prior to doing that, what we try to come in and do with these youth are provide them with a stable home environment, which is we help them get an apartment, which is paid for by the state up until a certain age. So we what we want them to do is while we're paying for the apartment, is for them to save their money while they're working. Because in order to get the apartment and to get some of these benefits, they need to be in school full-time, half-time, or have a job or some type of trade school. Any of those things will suffice for us to be able to assist with rent, utilities, and groceries for a period between the ages of 18 to 21. From 21 to 23, they have limited access to funds, but our hope is that by the time they get to that age, they have saved quite a bit of their funds to be able to do those things. Some of the challenges is that, as you know, it sounds real easy what I'm telling you, but some of our youth have been traumatized, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually. And so those challenges become when those youth are not willing to participate. Believe it or not, we have a lot more youth who tell us they don't want to participate. And they can exit the program with no, no recourse because they're adults. And so it's hurtful and frustrating at times, but it's really because of the way they grew up with the environment and what they're used to. They're tired of what they would call being a structure, even though the structure is in place to help them and assist them. So tell us a little bit about the structures or the phases of the program. What kind of supports and how is that scaffolded to help them be independent? So we break it down into three sections. We call them budget one, budget two, and budget four. In budget one, you're between the ages of 16 and 18. And you're living typically in a foster home, the long-term foster home with no chance of going home. And during that time, we cover things for you like driver's education, anything that a youth that think of if you are children, think of anything that your children need at those ages, between 16 and 18, we're covering that. And then they're in a foster home, which they're being paid for to live there. The foster family gets a stipend as well. So we try to keep things as normal as possible in that regard. Once we hit 18, we're graduating high school. We're getting ready to go to college or college is not for everybody. If they want to go to a trade school or they want to get a full-time job, at that point, that's when we come in with the apartment. We help them get an apartment, help them get a lease together. We pay for that apartment for three years, 18 to 21, until their 21st birthday. We cover groceries and utilities. They get their groceries once a month, utilities. So the goal then at that point is that we're training and helping them to learn how to save money. If we're paying your rent of $850, well, but that you're putting up your money because you're working or you're in school and you're saving that so that once you're 21 and that 100% assistance stops, then we come and we pay cell phone bills as well. Once you become 21, then it comes down to a tier system. You have really $4,500 left to utilize. But with the hope is that 
you have saved your money. You've been taught how to save. We do financial literacy classes, fit living skills, soft skills, how to live on your own. All those things are happening throughout the course of those three years. And we're hoping that between 21 and 23, you need little to no assistance so that that money that's there for you, when you turn 23, the state turns those dollars over to you and then you're officially what we call age out of the system. Have you noticed the impact from the governor's decision to extend that program from age 21 to 23? Absolutely. I do see a lot more of the youth engaged. Now, we did just take over this particular contract, but I've, always, I've worked with the youth now for over 12 years. And so I can see a difference in the engagement because there's help that is still there. Because what happened at 21 was you get cut off, but we all know that being 21, we don't know everything. Still don't know everything when you're 30, but really at 21, you don't know what you're right. doing. And so those extra two years are helpful. They, they really are. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm thinking about, you talked about this tiered system and how they receive some financial support and they go to the grocery store maybe once a month and they have this type of support. And I'm thinking about when my children were 18, 19 years old and the type of daily support that they may have needed. Is there any support that they can get on a regular basis, a daily basis, whether it's like social emotional support? That's a great question. So that really depends on the involvement of the youth in services. We can't make the youth engage in services. For example, we may have a youth who will not answer our calls or talk to us until it's time to pay the rent. And we know that we're contractually, we have to pay the rent. We have to, they have to see us because they have to sign the receipt book for us to pay their rent. Some may be a little more needy and they may call you. They may want things. So we, we have it on both ends or they don't call you till they get in trouble. So the support is there. We also put in, in addition to our caseworkers for the youth we're assigned to, we have other services that we can put in if they're willing to meet with those providers for therapy, or mentoring, any of those things are available, but they have to be able to participate. We can't, that's the one thing about this program is you can't force the older youth to do something that they don't want to do. And, and the state is clear on, they don't want to, they don't have to. They only have to do what's really required. So sometimes they get, that becomes a little tricky for us. Well, our listeners are K-12 educators, college educators, administrators. What is one area of need that you see for soon-to-be aged out youth or recently aged out who want to pursue higher education? An issue with higher education? Education-wise, if they're not interested in college when they first become young adults, they don't have that on, they don't have that on their mind. So to me, it's been a push, which I, I don't personally agree with that. You have to tell them that college isn't for everybody. You know, I, I try to encourage the youth to go to college so that they can have some form of a degree because certain jobs like meal jobs and oil factory jobs may not always be there. And so I, I think the challenge is that a lot of these youth do not want to go to school. They've become tired of school by the time they graduate high school. They have so much structure between school, the growing up in the system that they're tired of rules and regs. And to me, for some of them, college becomes more rules and regulations. So I think that's the challenge is just kind of get them to see that education is the way to go and higher education, continuing your growth, continuing that pattern. We can preach that to them, but we also have to be careful that we're not forcing that on them because usually when you force something on a youth, they're gonna go the other way. That's true. Yeah. That yeah. forcing of an idea of saying, you have to do this can be really detrimental, but 
an invitation can often be encouraging. So what can colleges and universities yeah. do or what can high school counselors do to attract foster youth to education? I think more presentations. What I mean by presentation, not just a group of people. I think that what I've seen from some of the youth and that's coming up in the system, one-on-one -on -one works best, smaller groups, instead of getting 12 to 15 children or youth in the room to try to have a conversation about college, it's just not going to work. You get yourself three to five small groups like that, and I think you may be able to drive a message home a little bit better that way. Yeah, and I know that many states have reinstituted free college tuition for foster youth. At one time, it was taken away. Is that the case mm -hmm. for Indiana? Do they receive free college tuition? Some of them do. Now, that, some of that gets tricky because I don't know how the language works for that. The few that we have had who have been in-state, they've been able to get it. I know that the 21st Century Scholar Program is still uh -huh. a thing because we still fill out those applications. Because we, remember, we just took this contract in July, and we did about four of those for some of the youth that were going to college. So we did have, out of the graduating class, we did send about 12 youth that were going to college. So They're considered independent, right? So as foster youth at 18, mm -hmm. they're considered independent. So I, I imagine yeah. they qualify under those guidelines. Do you have any partnerships with colleges and universities? I have not gotten that far yet. I'm six months into this, but I hope to make some partnerships with, especially with like IU because IU was really close to us. We got the location in Gary and the Purdue campus in Hammond. And then we have some others, um, the Purdue campus out in North Central, West Westville, let's call that area. So we're, we're looking to try to get that established, you know, with, Right. And we're looking forward to helping on that front, too. So we'd like to talk okay. further about what that partnership could look like to attract. But beyond attracting these students, we want to be able to support so that we can retain them and they can persist through college. Our research shows us that even those that go to college, you know, mm -hmm. the persistence is very low. The graduation rate is extremely low. I read one article that only 3%, there's only a 3% chance that they will graduate, which is just an extremely that's, that's, low number. That's sad. Yeah, it is sad. sad. So this, but it's hopeful to me. As sad as that mm -hmm. is, this gives me lots of hope and that what amazing things a partnership can do to mm -hmm. attract them. Because the goal is, I mean, you're setting them up and you're giving them a springboard, right? But the goal right. is, is for the, it to catapult them to a successful adulthood and college is just one way it's not the only way but one way to give them that success well think about success i mean how do you define success for for these aged out youth and so success looks a whole lot of different ways to anybody but for us as, as an agency making a difference in a, in for that particular youth so that particular youth may or may not go to college but at the end of the cycle for us, what have we all been able to accomplish? One of the big things I think is key is that they all have driver's licenses. If you want, in my opinion, I think people need to learn how to drive. You need to be able, because you can't get yourself someplace, you're never gonna go anywhere. So I think we'll look at simple things from that. Did we finish high school? You know, if we did finish high school and you said you didn't, you didn't wanna go to college, what were your dreams? What were your aspirations? Was it an apprenticeship that you wanted? Did we complete that? That we that we can follow up, make sure that every step of the way you had support that you needed to continue in that endeavor. When we get to the living situation, we we found your place because they they 
they have a hand in finding a place they want us to. And we go, we do apartment shopping as well. We furnish the apartment, all of those things. Did we teach them every step of the way? Did we, were we there? Can you honestly say that, you know, I helped Michael with everything that he needed. I just didn't say, well, you pick something, we'll go pick it up. Did we actually go do it? I think the action of doing, as opposed to just saying I'm supposed to pay for it, it, it hits a little differently. And I think for us, that's what success looks like, is we were there with you. We, we assisted you. So when we get to the end of your journey, whatever that journey may be, a college degree or an apprenticeship or a steady job. And I'm not saying steady job. I don't mean that your steady job is working at JCPenney's um, until you're 21 because you paid your rent. I mean a steady job where you can hang your hat on a potential career or further growth of where you're at. I think that's how we can measure success for some of the youth that we're involved in. Um, also, what we see a lot of youth, when they get out of the system, they may want to re-engage with the bio family. How supportive is it of that? And sometimes that can be a little tricky because the bio family can have been a, a dangerous environment or not a good setting. And so now that the youth is quote unquote independent, but still under the guise of the program receiving these funds, what are we doing to make sure that you're not being taken advantage of? Which has happened. This one of the short six months that we've had the, the contract. So it's just those kind of things that get in your mind and you're trying to work out and figure out what can you do and how can you do it. What about your personal goal? So beyond the agency mm-hmm. goal, right. what is your personal goal and what do you see as success? And I mean, personally, I want these kids to go to college. I want each kid that I come in contact with, young adult, people call them kids, young adult, to go to college and further educate themselves, especially when you see them who they think that they can only do so much. And you have to tell them that you can do whatever you want. The sky's the limit. Being able to have a, a conversation with some of them so they can understand, whether it's for me or somebody on my team. But I personally like to see each person at least attempt college because, you know, you don't know what you don't like until you until you know. And I, I, so for me, I need everybody to try to go to college, really coming out of coming out of high school along the way, at least give it a shot and let's see what can we do? Because once you have that college degree, I think that it can help you uh, later on in life. So that's a personal goal. A uh, second a goal of mine that I want to see from the youth is just to develop some of those interpersonal skills that we sometimes like. And we have a mental health facility attached to our company, our regional health systems. And if there's additional support needed, linking them. And when I say linking, I don't say, you know, here's a pamphlet, look, Hey, man, I'm going to drive you to this appointment. I want you to go in there. I want you to sit down and meet with, with Dr. Whomever. And let's just see if we can't get to the root of some of your problems issues are. And some, some of the youth are difficult. I think, mean, Dr. Joy, you know one in particular who's, a, <laughs> who's been a challenge for us. But if they're willing to participate, you have to be there for them to show them that you are. And so it's a fine it's line between holding that hand and then giving them something. So you want to make sure you're not holding a hand. I'm not going to take to the appointment, go in and be a part of your therapy session. I think at some point needs to be some kind of separation there. But if you want to go, I'm going to take you. I don't want it to be a barrier that I'm scared to go. I don't I don't have a ride or can you take me? So those things kind of being there for that support. I want us to be as supportive as possible when it comes to these older youth, because honestly, they're used to folks, you know, walking away. That's a personal thing of mine. When I look at the stats, they're just really astonishing when you talk about like there's seven out of 10 girls that become pregnant and the finish that have PTSD and some of the trauma that they have experienced. It seems like this has to be a team effort. And you talk about kind of the theory of teach them how to fish instead of giving them the fish, right? So that they can be successful on their own. How is it that the community can help 
support these efforts? It depends on what form of the community we're talking about. Typically, I'll, and I've just been me the way I, way I grew up, always reach out to the churches first. So I can get a lot more support that way. But even when it's time for events like Christmas and graduation, some of these agencies giving out donations for these, not only hand me down, I mean brand new stuff, you know, to let them know that, you know, they have a voice here. This is this is something for you. Well, they say it can't always be something physical to give, but it goes a long way when you give somebody something that's brand new as opposed to something that's used or worn. More community awareness in terms of events for the youth who are coming out of the system. I would like to see not just churches, but organizations, big organizations like an Amazon or Walmart have some kind of program that could help the older youth and assist them as they become a little older because they're going to age out. So I want to do this when they're aging out. There's some of the type of assistance because the state of Indiana can't always be your assistant. So these big organizations who donate all, to all these charities over throughout the year, what about some of them stepping up and being able to do something like that? And when we think about success, what role might mentors have in these individuals' success, their success stories? And who do you need as mentors? Well, mentors play a key role because that's typically who our um, youth are going to talk to when things get rough. I like youth to look like everything. People will say, well, they need to look like the youth. I don't think so. I think that a mentor can be anyone, anyone that can model a behavior that is different from a behavior that they're used to. Looking at someone who is a successful person, who takes care of themselves, can see that they've provided a great life for themselves. I think that that goes a long way because that youth can then say, I can be that way. This is my mentor. I've been exposed to some of these things. I can see these things. I want this. And so when you start to see that you want this, then you talk about how can I get that? And so I think that a mentor can be anyone, anyone who can show you a better path than what you're on right now. So often we talk about, well, you can't be what you can't see. So it, it doesn't matter the who. It's the behavior that we need to be modeling and showing right. this is possible. You know, talking about any hardships or any obstacles that the person has gone through over the years to get to where they are. It's not always a perfect pathway, but if we can right. make that visible for these youth, they can then perhaps have that that same ambition, that same motivation. I agree. I agree totally. And I'm going to put out that invitation again to you that we want to be part of that support system. We want to invite you at a later date to come out to the university, talk to the university. We'd like to hear the stories. We'd like for you to give us some resources, share the experiences, talk about how we can help how we can engage them. And not when they're 18, but perhaps when they're 16 and okay. they're starting to think about mm -hmm. their future and so that they know what some of their options are. And I like that you're focusing on the community, the churches and other agencies that can help you. Because again, this is one of those areas where I think it really takes a village if we're going to have a successful impact because the alternative, I don't think we really wanna even talk about the alternative and the statistics that come with those alternatives, that if they're not successful, then what happens to them? Because we're talking about a large amount of youth. I know that you're working with, you know, about 150, 50 more coming in, but there's over a thousand in Lake County. And it's a large number of youth that you have to 
the responsibility of finding housing and all of the support. So I think that the more we understand, the more that we can support. So I just can't thank you enough for sharing this oh, information yeah, and looking forward to talking to you again. Anytime, anytime. And I think it's important that, like you said, each individual has a story. And sometimes it's just a matter of taking that story and turning it into something positive. Before we end today, though, can you direct us to any resources, maybe books, websites, or people who can provide our listeners with more information on this topic of aged out youth? I would go with Lake County, Indiana Department of Child Services. There is a person, she works at Indianapolis. Her name is Anissa Evans. She is in charge of the entire state of Indiana as it pertains to the Older Youth Initiative. And she would be able to probably share even more data that looks at a outside of just Lake County, she could look at the whole state. Other ways, if you're looking to partner and work with some of the youth foster care agencies in the area that whose parents have some of these kids. So just to name a few that I know of, of the villages who are located in Portage, Indiana. We have Dockside. I believe Dockside is located in Highland. I want Benchmark Family Services. They're in Maryville, Indiana. Nyack. National Youth Advocate Program. They're big in the foster care. They're in Maryville. They're actually right across the street from me in my building. So those are just a few of the folks that you that, that work with, the foster parents and the youth who are in the system. And some of them may be open to further conversations. At the villages, the contact person is Julie Villarreal. NIAP, you'll have Sue Ann Klein. She is the manager of that office. So those are just some kind of context to kind of get you going. But your best data will come from Anissa Evans, who would have the entire state. Well, we appreciate that. You are certainly a Rolodex as well. We really appreciate that. I may look young, but I've been around a little while. I know you have, (laughs) and you know the business. Thank you so much for being with us today. I've really learned so much, and I know our listeners have too. Yes, this has been Definitely an education. Thank you. We're looking forward to partnering with you and learning more about your work and how to support you. All right. Well, thank you all for having me. Uh, Anytime I can come back. This was fun. I learned a lot too. Mr. Nicholas Neal. Thank you. All right. Thank you. You guys have a great day. Thank you for listening to Teaching and Learning Theory versus Practice with Dr. Amy Viaclia and Dr. Joy Patterson. We hope that you have been inspired by this conversation and will join us again as we talk about trends in education and perspectives on teaching. We welcome your comments and feedback. What conversations are you interested in hearing? We'll leave it up to you, our listeners. Did theory or practice win the match? I think it was theory probably this time uh practice until next time we're dr amy and dr joy